0: as the Scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116. Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's Word. Luke chapter 14 this morning. Let me thank Miss Kaylee and the kids, uh, and and Brett and all those involved. Amen. All of you all that work so hard with, with these kids and teaching them to sing and working with them. Uh, the youngest ones and the older ones and Miss Kendall and and all those who've worked with them this morning, they didn't know it, but the song they picked to sing was right in line with what the Lord is going to say to us from this passage this morning. Maybe she didn't know it. Did you you sneak in and read my... Yeah, she's she's hacked my computer and read my notes. No, I'm teasing. Luke chapter 14, we've been in this passage now for I guess this is the fourth Sunday, and I believe we'll wrap it up this morning uh, with the Lord's help. We've been talking about discipleship. And how that to be a disciple is to be a follower uh, of someone's teaching. Amen. It's more than than just walking behind them, but it is uh, actually listening to what they've got to say, uh, abiding by what they teach, believing what they teach, and and being a disciple and a follower and a student of them. Amen. And how that Jesus is looking for some who will be His students, His servants and His successors. How that He told the disciples there that He was going to be going away and that after he had left, that there was a work for for them that needed to be done. Amen. And that that is what Christ is looking for in a disciple. He's looking for someone who will come after him, who will follow him, and who will do as he tells him to do. Amen. Who will be a successor and be about his father's business as he was uh, in his time here on the earth. Amen. We've talked about that, and we've talked about how that in in the day we live that it seems that so many church-going Christians... Uh, would would um, say they would they would they would like to say that they're disciples, but that the truth is many of them never get past that word follower. Because there were many in Luke chapter 14 verse 25 where it tells us there went a great mult they went great multitudes with him. So there are many who were following him physically. Amen. They were there. Alright. Now let me just say every Sunday morning I, I try every service, every time we're here I try to tell you all that I'm so thankful that you're here. Because it's hard to have church with nobody here. Amen. I'm glad when I see your face come in, that back, back there. Amen. I'm glad when I see you walk in here, and when I go and I shake your hand or say hello. It, it encourages me, amen, to know that you're here looking for something from God. Amen. And that we can be a part of that. And I love that. But there is more to being a, a disciple than just being present. Amen. Now, being present is good, and we want you to be present. But being a disciple, Jesus is trying to get across to them here in this passage. There's more to it than that. If you want to really be a part of the work of God and do something and see God do something in your life, there's some things you're going to have to acknowledge. Amen. First, he told them how that a true disciple has their priorities in the right place. In verse 26, where he said, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, cannot be my disciple. And we talk about how that the Lord is not instructing them to hate their family. He is instructing them that nothing and no one can be more important in our lives than He is. Amen. He has to be the number one priority in our lives. Can you say amen to that? Matthew 10, 37. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And then uh, last week, the last two weeks actually, we spoke about the Pain of a disciple, how that in verse number 27 he said, Whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Matthew 10, 38 he said, He that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. So we talked about that pain of the disciple and how that, that cross is an emblem of submission. Amen. That when Jesus took on his shoulders the cross that marched to Calvary, it was him submitting himself to the will of the Father. Amen. And that when we take up our cross, we are also submitting ourselves to the will of the Father. Amen. We talked about how it was an emblem of suffering. That the cross, is. can you say amen, the cross is an emblem of suffering. That it is a picture of the pain and the suffering and the misery that Christ endured for us, and that even taking the cross of Calvary out of the picture, for all these individuals there that day, the crucifixion, uh, of, of criminals was a picture of suffering. And it was an emblem of shame. How Paul said in Galatians 3, being made a curse for us, Jesus, for it's written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that Jesus, in Hebrews twelve two, it said He despised the shame, that He endured the cross. And we know that it is an emblem of shame that we are taking on the shame of the cross. Today we're going to look in these last few verses and we'll ask the Lord to help us. Luke 14, verse 28. For which of you... now this is building on what He's just said. He said, you've got, to, you've got to choose Me and have Me before your mother, father, husband, wife, and children, and your own life also, if you want to be My disciple. Then He said, if you want to be My disciple, you've got to pick up your cross and bear it and come after Me. Then He says this, For which of you, intending to build a tower... Sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it. Lest haply, and that is to say, uh, perhaps like a happenstance, lest haply uh, after he hath la- uh, laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king goeth to make war against another king, sitteth not down first and consulteth? whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000, or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an embassage and desireth conditions of peace. Verse 34, so likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Matthew 10, 39, he said this, He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, this morning, God, we are so thankful, Lord, that you've allowed us to come once again into your house. God, thank you for the many blessings that you've bestowed on us. God, thank you, Lord, for, for every single person that's here, Lord, young or old. God, thank you, Lord, for this church, for this place of worship. God, thank you for the songs we've heard. God, thank you for the Sunday school hour. And thank you, God, Lord, uh, for the fellowship we were able to have yesterday. And, and thank you, God, for just another day, God, for being so good. And thank you for hearing our prayers, Lord, for healing Uh, Lily, and doing so much for us. And God, we're so thankful, Lord, for Your love. God, we pray this morning if You would help us to hear what the Spirit is trying to say to the church this morning. Help us to look to Your Word, God, to hold our lives up in the light of Your Word and the Scripture, the holy and precious and perfect Word of God, and help us, God, to change as we need to change. Draw us near, God. We need You. We love You. In Jesus' name, Amen. I want to look at the price of being a disciple. We've looked at the priority, and that is that Christ is to be first. And we looked at the pain of being a disciple, how that being a disciple of Christ means that there are some some difficulties and some difficult things that you're going to have to endure that are going to come upon you by association to Christ. Amen. The cross, that is that shame and that suffering, and it is that submitting act of picking it up and coming after Him. But the price, Jesus begins to elaborate. The first two, He really only gave us one verse each, amen? And now we can see how that it is tied in, as Jesus said, four in verse uh, number 28, which means He is tying all these thoughts together with what He just said in verse number 27, and we understand that connection. But here He begins to truly elaborate on the, the thought, the idea, of this price of being His disciple, The price of true discipleship is that it will require some sacrifice. Amen. Now, not the sacrifice of bulls and goats, but the sacrifice of ourselves. That's why Jesus said, Whosoever he be of you, that forsaketh not all that he hath. And that talks about our possessions. Amen. And everything that we would claim to be ours. Whoever will not, would not forsake anything within his reach for me, it's not, he cannot be my disciple. In Matthew 10, he gave a little bit of a, of, a, of a different explanation of it where he said this, He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Very simply, the Lord is telling us that in order to be his disciple, it will cost you something. Now can I tell you this morning, salvation was not free, but it's free for you and me. The price for our salvation was steep. Incredibly steep. Immeasurably steep. It was unimaginably steep. It is unfathomable the price that Jesus Christ had to pay so that you could be saved. And even if it was just you or just me The price would have been steep, but for the sin of all mankind, past, present, and future, that is a high price Jesus had to pay when he who knew no sin became sin for us. Amen. But to be his disciple is to acknowledge that following him will result in some sacrifices in your life. It's very simple. Let me show you first, the price of being a disciple is intentional. It is not something that can just happen to you. It is something that you will have to choose. I'm going to say that a lot this morning. But to be a disciple is a choice, just as being saved was a choice. You have individual soul liberty. This morning, if you decide you want to, you can say, I'm an atheist. Now, you have to put a whole lot of faith in some things that don't make any sense to do that, but you can say, I'm an atheist. You know why? Because you have individual soul liberty. You can choose whether to be an atheist or whether to believe in God or whether to be a Muslim or whether to be a follower of Hinduism or or Taoism or any of those things. You can choose what you want, but the fact stands at the end of the day Uh, that what you choose does have consequences. Amen. Just because you don't like something or you don't agree with something doesn't change the fact that whether or not it is true. But you do have the right to choose. And when you got saved, you had the right to choose between eternal salvation or damnation in hell. Amen. You had those options that were presented to you to accept Christ or to deny Christ. Amen. That's what was given to you as a choice But after you've been saved, that is not the only choice that you make in life. In fact, life is, if you want to look at it that way, simply a series of one choice that leads to the next choice. Amen. Paul said, I die daily. And when he said that, here's what he meant. Every day, I've got to choose to kill the old man and to follow God. Amen. I've got to choose to say no to sin, to deny the old man, to deny sin, and to follow Christ. That's a choice that I have to make every day. Amen. One of the things I'm looking the most forward to on the other side of this life and being with Christ is not having to worry about that choice anymore. Amen. Of sin being a foregone conclusion. No thank you. Amen. Because I still struggle with the old man. Do you also still struggle with the old man? So we know that choices are a big deal. And when it comes to this price, it is an intentional thing. First, Jesus speaks about an intentional counting. In verse number 28 through verse number 30, he says, For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost? You see that? Whether he have sufficient to finish it, lest haply after he had laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that, begin, uh, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Have you ever started a building project and then not finished it? Or gone months? Years. Amen. Sometimes that's the plan. Well, we're going to do it as we can, you know. And I know we live that way. But sometimes you get into it and you find out, you know what, there's a lot more to this than I thought there was. (laughs) You know, I've done that. I've started sometime about probably three years ago or so. We had a shed in the back of the house and it was an old shed. It literally was leaning. I mean, a good strong gust and it was going to come down. And so I went out there and I began to, Pull some things off of it that looked like good reusable lumber and things that maybe we could repurpose and stuff like that. And then once I got everything off of it, I thought it was really needed to be securely taken care of. I hooked a chain to it with a truck and I pulled it down. And then we stripped it all down. We got everything out we thought we could use. We piled the rest up and we burned it. Amen. And I said, all right, I'm gonna build me a shed now for my barn. Or for my barn, a shed for my mower is what I wanted. A shed to put my lawnmower in. And I went and bought some posts, and me and my dad, we went out there, and we marked it, and we dug the holes, and we we squared it off, and we got the concrete set, and we got those posts set. And then a year later, (laughs) there were still treated posts in the ground. I got a wild hair, said, I'm going to tear this thing down, I'm going to get started, and then I got started, but what I didn't count was the cost of time. And that I was working at that time, the job I was working, it was in the hottest season of the year of working, and it just I had no time. Before I knew it, months had gone by, and then it got cold out. Well, then it's too cold, and I don't want to do it now. And it just kind of, it's out of sight, out of mind sort of thing. And it became, when am I going to get out there and do that? Because what I didn't do is I didn't sit down and really count the cost, not just the money of buying the material, which, by the way, can be substantial, especially in the day in which we live. Hallelujah. Try to build a deck under your house, you'll find out how expensive material is. But not just counting the cost of material, but the count of labor and the count of time and, and really figuring out, what is this really going to cost me? Amen. Some people think when they get saved, the only thing that's really going to cost them is maybe a Sunday morning and a Sunday night sometime or a Wednesday night. But can I tell you, that is an inaccurate representation of what it means to be a disciple of Christ. Amen. Now, a, tr- a disciple goes to church, but going to church is not service for you. It is God helping you, not you helping God. Amen. You coming to church to get fed is no different than you going to the dinner table at supper time. Amen. I'm glad you're here. You need to be here. It's important for you. But being here is not our service. It's not our job. It, it is our responsibility to come and, and to gather and not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. But being here is for you. It's for you to get fed and for you to be blessed, and for you to to be a part of what God's doing, but doing the work of God. Now that's different. Amen. Being a disciple is getting up and going somewhere. Doing something. Are you all still with me this morning? It is doing the work of God. Being a disciple is not simply being present, but it is being a follower of Him as a student, a servant. Amen. The intentional counting is this. They counted first. Amen. And then they counted as they were counting... The goal was not to start. Can you see that in the verses? The goal was not to get pretty far. The goal was to do what? Finish it. That was the goal. The goal was, if I'm going to go into this thing, then I want to go into it whole hog. Amen? I want to go into it with the intention that I'm going to stick with it to the end. Amen? Amen. Can you say amen? amen? Counting the cost is not the cost of starting, it's the cost of finishing. For me to do this all the way through, what is it going to cost me? I could begin to tell you some things that it'll cost. It'll cost you time. Can you say amen? Amen. It'll cost you money. It'll cost you comfort. It'll cost you some sleep. Sometimes it might cost you a dream or or, or an aspiration that you have for your life. These men who were the disciples of Christ, to become His disciple, you know what it cost them? Everything. They were fishermen, and suddenly they were fishing no more. Tax collectors, not anymore. They walked away from their whole lives and went on a mission with Him and said, well, it was just for three years. no. It was the rest of their lives. That's right. That's why Jesus said, any man who will come after me, if he will even put his hand to the plow, looking back is not fit. Because if we're going to say, I want to be a part of the work of God, then it means we're going to be in it to finish. And to finish well. Amen. Counting the cost. It is counting the cost of finishing, not starting. Consider this. Let me mention this and then we'll move on. Consider if you get started in this work, And can I tell you, being a part of the work of God is to have influence on other people. Did you know that people see you when you're here? Did y'all know that? That when you're here, people see your face? Did you know that when you're not here, they notice? There's some people not here this morning I wish was here. When I look out and I see they're not here, I think, man, that stinks, they're not here. I wish they were here. People notice when you're not here. They do. You know what that means for those people for many of them, when they see you and you're here, it is an encouragement. And for others, when they see that you're not here, it's a discouragement. Amen. Now, I know sometimes we can't be here for this reason or that, and I'm not, I'm not picking on anybody for any kind of providential hindering. What I'm telling you is this, being a part of the work of God means that you have an effect on other people. In fact, let me ask you if you can think back in your life to someone who stepped into the role of what should have been a disciple but they did not count the cost of finishing and before they could ever finish they bailed halfway through can you think of anyone in your life who failed to finish the work of god and it hurts you i can think of that when we count the cost we don't just need to think about what it's going to cost us but sometimes we need to think about what it's going to cost others what is it going to cost my children if I quit on God? What's it going to cost my wife if I decide it's not worth it? Amen. Amen. What's it going to cost my parents and my brother and my sister? What's it going to cost this church if I decide, nah, I would rather... I didn't realize it was going to cost me this much, Lord. I didn't realize it was going to be that pricey. And Jesus is going, why didn't you think that? Here's what He said. If you're not willing to forsake all you have, you can't follow Me. That's a steep price. Can we agree? That is a steep, steep price. And I think sometimes we think, eh, it'll be all right. I don't have to go all the way in. And you pick up your hammer, and you go and you start building your foundation, and then once you get the post set like I did, you walk away. Every time somebody drives by your house, they see those posts up and they think, What's wrong with that guy that dude's lazy right and that's what they think what they do what are they, they ever going to do that they were going to fix up that mess they're ever going to people see it and they think that i don't want anybody to look at my life and think what a mess and that what jesus said he said "Lest happily those come by and see you and they see that you started with a foundation and didn't finish and they mock you and that what he said so when we count the cost we just don't we don't just count. The money. Oh, it's going to cost me some money. Or, oh, it's going to cost me some time. Or, oh, it's going to cost me some of my comfort. Or, what if God wants me to change jobs? Or, what if God wants me to move? Or, what if God wants to mess up my life in this way or that way? But we've got to think sometimes about what it's going to cost others. What sort of damage do we do to the work of God when we start without counting the cost of finishing? Amen. What sort of damage do we do our homes when we start a marriage but we don't count the cost of finishing in that marriage? When we start having children, but we don't cost the we don't count the cost of finishing and, and raising them up for God the way the Bible teaches. These are serious matters, Amen. Y'all understand that, right? Jesus, he's telling them they need to count intentionally, count the cost. Let me move more quickly. Let me move quickly through this next part. Matthew chapter twenty-three. The Lord is speaking, and he's talking about to the Pharisees. He said in verse number twenty-nine of Matthew twenty-three, he said, "You build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchers of the righteous, and say." If we, had been de- if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. It's talking about how that in the old days, the Jews, the Israelites, were the ones who, was, who tried to bring about the death of the men that God chose to serve Him. Amen. And they said, oh, well, we wouldn't be like them. We wouldn't be with them. Here's what Jesus said in verse 34. Behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify and some of them ye shall scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city. There is a cost in serving God. But it's not just an intentional counting. We're talking about the price is intentional. But I also want to speak about the intentional consulting. In verse 31 he said this, What king goeth to make war against another king? Sitteth not down first and consulteth. Now, That word consulteth implies that he is consulting with others about what to do. When you you, uh, go in search of a consult, you're trying to get some advice from someone, listen, who knows more about this situation than you do. Right? A consultation. Uh, I'm having a conversation with someone who is going to give me some wisdom about something I'm looking at And here we've got a king who's looking at an army of 20,000, and he's only got 10. And he's thinking, well, I need to take this army. Can I do it with 10? So what he does is he goes and he consulteth whether he is able with some people who know something about that. Can I tell you something today? That when you go seeking wisdom from the unwise, don't be surprised when you fail. And the Bible says that the fool is wise in his own eyes. You want wisdom? He that seeks wisdom, you know where you get it? From the Bible. You get it from God. You get it from God's people. You get it from God's man. Amen. The Bible says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask. And God will give it because he gives it liberally. But don't sit here and say, well, I want to be a disciple and I want to serve God. And I know that everybody is telling me the Bible says this and the preacher is saying that, but I just don't see it that way. So I'm going to go this way. When you've got 10,000 and you're going to be facing 20,000, don't be surprised when it blows up in your face well, I don't really need church. I don't really need the Bible. I don't really need this. I don't really need that. And I can do things my way. That's not consulting with the wise. That's being wise in your own eyes. Amen. The consulting of this intentional accounting. Let me give you this. We see not only is the price intentional, but the price is inevitable. And I want you to understand this here. When the Lord turns back to them there in that verse in verse number uh, 30, uh, let's see, what verse is it? 33. Which says, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. He's not threatening them. Now there might be some who read that verse and think, wow, Jesus is turning back and he's just being harsh and he's being hateful to all those people behind him. No, 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 no. The Lord is not threatening them. Bless God, if you're not ready to forsake all you've got, you might as well forget about it. You can't be my disciple. He's not threatening them, he's warning them. This is not something that the Lord is going to do to them if they don't do it Right. It's something that's going to happen to them if they don't do it right. I'm reminded of the Lord God in the Garden of Eden as He spoke to Adam and Eve in Genesis uh, chapter 2, where He said, Of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. He did not say, I'll kill you. In the day thou eatest thereof, I shall strike you down. He did not say that. He said, the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And the reason for that is this, the wages of sin is death. He that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. It is a fact that sin brings death and corruption. It is inevitable. It is not the judging hand of God of, I'm going to punish you every time you do sin. It is sin is corruption. And it is evil. And it is wrong. And if you let it into your life, it will destroy you. That's why injecting illegal substances into your body to get that high... It doesn't just deteriorate your spiritual well-being, but it deteriorates your physical well-being. That's why we have things like uh, diseases that are only transmitted through fornication. That's why we have alcoholism destroying our bodies and all these other things because sin is corruption. The science matches the spiritual fact. Can you see that? When Jesus said, you can't be My disciple if you can't forsake all that you've got, He's saying this, to be my disciple means some choices are going to come up into your life. And if you're not willing to forsake all you have, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. It's inevitable that in our lives there is inevitable cost to following the Lord Jesus. Matthew chapter 23 and verse number 34 Says, wherefore, behold, I send to you prophets. We read it a minute ago. Wise men and scribes, some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them ye shall scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city. Second Timothy chapter three verse twelve. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. I could show you verse after verse after verse after verse where Jesus is trying his best to get through to them. They hated me; they'll hate you also. Every man's rejected amongst his own people. He tells them, You're going to face these problems if you keep following me. If you are a student of me, if you believe what I teach, and if you preach what I teach, you're going to have to pay a cost. Right now in our country, there's a war going on politically and especially on social media, against certain states that are trying to move what we would call conservative legislation. And it is all about saving and protecting children. The reason for creating these, these things. That's their, that's their goal. But the war has become such a way that now major corporations are getting involved like Disney. Right? What's funny is this, you've got Disney, the CEO of Disney sending letters to the governor of Florida saying, "We don't support this bill that says you cannot teach our children before the before what is it, third grade, I think the fourth grade, fifth grade, whatever it is, you know, elementary school children, you cannot encourage them to decide whether or not they are trans or gay or anything like that." That we don't want you teaching on anything that would be considered you know, inappropriate and sexual to our young children. That's what they're, that's what they're saying. Because they're saying that, they're saying, we, we, we hate this bill, we refuse it and we reject it. Now it's becoming a culture and political war. If you were to go into the public eye and declare that you do not agree with any of those things that they're saying that they have to agree with, you will be painting a target on your forehead. Now, I don't say that because it's my opinion. I say it because it's a fact. In fact, if the wrong person were to watch our live stream this morning and hear that I just said that, and that the Bible teaches against homosexuality, right, and gender dysphoria, they would call me a hate speech. They would say that I'm a bigot. And they would shut our live stream down. In fact, they would take this video off Facebook. You say, no, they wouldn't do that to us. Brother Josh England, who we've mentioned a lot recently, his church, about our size, I mean, it is in the middle of nowhere, Tennessee. And when they started in COVID with live stream, many of his videos got taken down. That we're not, nothing crazy, just real simple. The Bible teaches that it's wrong, and we believe it's wrong. If Facebook hears it, if YouTube hears it, if any of these mega corporations hear it, they'll flag it and take it down immediately. They won't even bat an eye. They won't watch it to really figure out if, 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 we, if they think for a second that we disagree with what they think, they'll mark you. They'll come after your business. They'll come to your house. Amen. So that, you know we've got you know what we got hundred people tops in here on any given Sunday morning at best, on a great day right now, they don't care about us. Oh yes, they do. They cannot imagine that one of you would think that. There is a price to following Christ. And that price, very simply, oftentimes, is choosing The inevitable cost is that if you're going to follow Jesus, here's what he's saying. He's not saying, I'm going to to make you pay this. Now, sometimes the Lord might say to us, I want you to give me this. Amen? Amen. And when he does, you know what we ought to do? we ought to say, yes, sir. Amen. Amen. He sacrificed everything for us. If he asked for something from us, then we should be willing to give that. But that's not even what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the inevitable cost, the inevitable price of being a disciple is that if you're going to follow him, and do as He says and believe what He teaches, it will cost you something because they won't abide by it. Those who hate Him will hate you. I said this last Sunday, I think. Kids, you will never be popular if you follow Jesus. You can have friends. I had friends in school, and I wasn't picked on and and just sit in a corner by myself. People throw stuff at me. And, you know, I, that's not the picture I'm trying to paint. Very simply, the picture I'm telling you is this. You cannot be the coolest, most beloved, everybody likes you, popular, singing your name if you're going to follow Jesus. When came, He came riding into the city on the colt, and they waved Hosanna to the king. Days later, They hung Him on a cross, and they chanted, let His blood be on us and our children. They hated Him. They'll hate you. It is an inevitable price, an inevitable cost, and it's an inevitable choice. We're winding this thing down here. I've said this word a lot. It's a choice. It's a choice. It's a choice. The song the kids sang this morning, I've made up my mind, no matter what others say, I will follow Christ and walk in His way. Though the battle gets hard and the road is steep, that's okay. I've set my heart on becoming like Christ, dying with Him, raised in new life. The things of this world I'm leaving behind because I've made up my mind. You You know what that verse, that chorus of that song is written based on? This verse All the things of this world, I'm I'm leaving those behind. And I have made up my mind that no matter what it costs me, no matter what others say, no matter what the world does, I am going with Jesus. Can I tell you this this morning? This is an inevitable choice that every one of us will have to make. You'll have to decide if when you go to the workplace, are you going to walk and talk like them? Are you going to walk and talk like Jesus? Are you going to obey the Great Commission and tell others about Christ, or are you going to stifle that light and hide it? One of those can be a follower. Both of those can be a follower, but only one of those can be a disciple. Both of those can say, oh, I'm in the multitude, I'm a part, but only one of those is going to go forth and be used by God to do the work of God because they're going to choose Jesus. Jesus said this, He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. It is, a, it is an intentional price. It is an inevitable price. And then I want you to see that this choice is very important. When Joshua brought the children of Israel there and they finally, they would marched over Jericho and they were there and they were in that promised land and it was time to take up that place, he turned to them in Joshua 24:15, and he said one of the most famous lines in all the Bible. But before he said that, you know what he said? He said this, If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We focus on that last part so often. As for me and my house. We'll serve the Lord. So many people have it on a canvas or a, or a painting in their house or anything like that and it's such a wonderful phrase. But Joshua makes this very clear in the verse. You can choose. And now the choice has come to your doorstep. There are so many who would like to just casually follow the Lord. The problem with that is this there will come a moment when He will require you to commit or not commit. In Luke chapter 14, there are great multitudes following Him, and for some undetermined amount of time, they have been casually following Him. But that day, the Lord turned to them and He said, Are you ready to commit? Before you say yes, I want you to hear something. If you're going to commit, you're going to have to put me before father and mother and husband and wife and even children in your own life also. If you're going to commit, you're going to have to pick up that cross, and it's going to be hard. It's going to cause you pain. Follow me. If you're going to commit, you're going to have to be willing to forsake everything you have if you're willing to, if you're going to commit. Most don't. Amen? Amen? Joshua stood before all those people. He said, you're going to commit. He said, you got to choose. As for me and my house, we're going to commit. We're choosing him. This is our choice, and I want all of you to know it. I choose God. Not casually, not present, sold out, all in, all the way and then some. Take my life. Jesus said this, any man who will seek his life, he's going to lose it. Living for you will never gain you anything. But whoever will lose his life for my sake, he'll find it. What does that mean? He's going to find life and life more abundantly, Jesus said. Joy, peace, long-suffering, meekness, gladness, gentleness, goodness, all all these good things that he gives us, the fruit of the Spirit, and then some more. Blessings and good Yeah, yeah, it's hard sometimes. The Bible says the way of a transgressor is hard. That's the harder path. Well, I'll just do things my way. Don't worry, there's coming a moment when that's going to turn on you and it's going to be real sour. Now, this is a tough call. This is a tough call to say, Am I willing? Am I willing to sacrifice some things in my life to serve God? And so many say this I'm fine with being a Christian until it starts trying to mess with my life. I want to keep my personal life and my church life separate. But Jesus said this, you want a church life? You've got to forsake your personal life. That do not mean you can't have a personal life, friends and family, enjoy life. It means that they become one. You can't. This is no half measure. A half measure will eventually result in this inevitable choice in your life. Just like it did for those multitudes. How long halts you between two opinions? Jesus said. How long are you going to be stuck here? You're going to have to choose. You cannot serve both God and mammon. That's what Jesus said, isn't it? You serve one master, you can't serve two. You can't live for you and for God. you got to live for one or the other. What's it going to be? Say, well, I'm young. Teenagers, the choice, the inevitable choice I'm talking about, guess what? You're here. It's today. Darian, everything you do from this moment forward will be judged by the choice you make about whether or not to serve God today. Jace, girls, even Landon. Say, nah, oh yeah. Read your Bible. You can give God your life when you're young, middle-aged, old, He's not turning anybody away who will choose him. Problem is, are you going to? Have you made up your mind? Do you still halt between two opinions? Have you made up your mind? Or you just still got some stuff you want to do and you don't really think that it lines up with the Word of God, so you're going to wait to see how that all shakes out first. Well, I'm fine with casually being part of the multitude, but I don't want to choose him. I wish you would. My prayer this morning is that you choose Him. That you might have life. That you might have it more abundantly. That you might be a part of what God is doing. We want to see real growth in this church. We're going to need some people to choose Him. Not just halfway. Not just most of the way. All the way. Amen. Let's all stand. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon. and We hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord.